0: Well, this morning, it's my privilege to um, introduce you today our guest speaker, whom Ken's invited to share the word with us, Brian McKenzie, and he's a familiar face to many of us because he's preached here on numerous occasions, and we've seen him at man camp for you gentlemen, and of course, he served us uh, well yesterday uh, at our men-up breakfast. He and his wife, uh, Janelle, john L are here this morning. Um, we're grateful that you're both here. Uh Brian has been the senior pastor of Grace Bible Church in Clute, Texas, for the last 11 years, which is in the Lake Jackson area. Uh, Brian and John L. have six children, whom are back in Clute, Texas, waiting for mom and dad to come home today. And one of the most important things I want to tell you about uh, Brian is he's a faithful uh, friend and a dear friend to our pastor, Ken. I know Ken has expressed that to me on numerous numerous occasions, how uh, much he treasures his friendship with Brian. And so um, we're grateful that both of you are here this morning, and Janelle, we know that behind every uh, successful ministry is a faithful partner, and so we're grateful that you're here with us uh, and joined your husband with us this morning to worship. And so I would ask you to uh, join me in welcoming Brian as he brings us God's word this morning.
1: Thanks, Randy. I asked the first service if you would clap for Ken when he comes up every Sunday. And they said no, so I don't know about this group, but uh, well, it is a privilege for me to be here and my wife to be here, and uh, as you heard, we have six children. I'm going to bring that picture up here. There they are. We were at a wedding a few weeks ago, and um, uh, we got Joshua's oldest, and then Anna Marie, Jonathan McKaylee, Kylie, and James. We're from 16 to 3 years old, um, and God has blessed us with a great tribe, and it's, we call it our team, and so Joshua... Loaded up the big uh, 12-passenger van this morning and drove the team to church, all right? And uh, so they're in good hands, and uh, we're thankful for them, and what a blessing they are to to John L. and I, and uh, uh, we we were thankful to get a little time away here, too, just the two of us, you all, to be with you, and looking forward to our time together. Uh, Let me do say this about um, your pastor. He is a great friend of mine. A very special man in my life and a great encouragement to me and I just want to let you all know that you are what you already know you have a tremendous man of God who's your pastor who loves you uh, who is proud to be your shepherd who's faithful who's dedicated to you here at Lakeside Bible Church and he and his wife Kelly mean a ton to my wife and I, I know Kelly's a great encouragement to my wife and uh, so uh, love my friend would you? Love him well, and he loves you well. I want you to know that. Uh, So I know Blake as well, and uh, Blake's become a good friend. I know his dad, Michael, who's been here to preach a few times as well. Michael and I have been to Russia a few times. Uh, together. Adam Tyson, your former associate pastor, and I've been to Russia a few times together. I've been to Uganda two times as well to minister there with the Hurleys and SOS Ministry. so we've got a lot of things in common. I met Billy last year at the Shepherds Conference in California over dinner at California Pizza Kitchen. Those of you all have been out at the Shepherds Conference, that's usually a place we like to frequent, but uh, got a chance to meet him, and I know his dad, Bruce, and uh, you're all blessed to have such a great a group of godly men that lead and shepherd you and I know many of your elders and deacons and so many of you guys that involve men's ministry the man camp and the breakfast yesterday and so this is a special place and I'm glad to be here Uh, about this time our associate pastor is full on in the preaching as we uh uh, this morning and I'm I'm thankful for him and his gifts and uh Jared and maybe one day you'll get guys get a chance to meet him as well I, I told uh I uh, tell people this about Jared. He's the most diverse young man I've ever met. Uh, he can fill dress a deer and decorate a sanctuary. <laughs> That's pretty diverse. I mean, he is all across the board. It's amazing. And I'm like right here, this single lane, right? Uh, well, hey, I'm here this morning to, by God's grace, deliver God's word to us this morning. So I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2. A lot of stuff in chapter 2, probably thinking, okay, where are we going in chapter 2? We're going to be looking at verses 42 through 47 this morning and begin looking at the devoted church, the devoted church. So I'm going to read this passage of scripture for us and then pray and then we'll dive in. So beginning in chapter, chapter 2, verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling the property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we uh, come... To this time of our corporate worship together, where we uh, sit under the authority of your word. Uh, Lord, our hope and our prayer is that you would change us by your word. Lord, those who need to be comforted, Lord, we pray you bring comfort. Those of us who need to be challenged, Lord, challenge us. Lord, more than anything, we want to be changed and be made more and more into the image of your son. Uh, Lord, we are uh, at your mercy this morning that you would do a supernatural work through your word. And Lord, even as I preach and present your word, Lord, I pray that I would be faithful to, to, to your word. And those things that I say that are not faithful to your word, Lord, I pray that it would be forgotten quickly. And they would fall on deaf ears, but only your word would get through. Lord, we trust you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you think about the word devoted, what do you think of? Here's what I think of. Breakfast say, so this guy likes to eat. I mean, we had some breakfast yesterday. The gravy was worth it all. We could have put the gravy on the fruit and it would have been good. I mean, that's how good the gravy was. I think, I think Ken's mom made the gravy is what I heard. And man, it was good. I'm going to have to invite myself over for breakfast or something. But it was good stuff. And I think about, th- think about what's, who, who's involved in breakfast. Uh, you, you got a cow that provides milk, and, and he's obviously involved. you got a chicken that provides the eggs, and we would say that he's involved. But you got a pig that provides the bacon, and he's more involved. He's devoted. He's all in. But when I think about the word devoted, way beyond breakfast, uh, as you can tell, I haven't missed many breakfasts. And I'm the smallest of my brothers, so uh, uh, my mom's a good cook. But when I think about the word devoted, I think about this unbelievable passage in 2 Samuel. So if you're with your Bibles, turn over to the left to 2 Samuel chapter 23. It's amazing, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture I would have loved to have been one of these guys. David's mighty men. And uh, chapter 23, and, and in verse 9, there's, there's a guy named, I just love his name, uh, Elie- well, the way they describe him, his name, Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ohite. All right, please don't name your child Dodo. All right, that would be awful, but this guy's dad was named Dodo. So Eleazar, the son of Dodo the Eohite, and he was one of David's mighty men. And look at verse 10, and notice what happened when he fought with David against the Philistines. This is incredible. He rose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to strip the slain. I mean, he was so devoted to the purposes of God and supporting God's man David, that his hand clung to the sword. It froze to the sword. Would you say that's devoted? I mean, that's a devoted guy. Well, later on in this passage, you, we run into three more guys that show devotion. Look at verses 13 through 17, and look what uh, God's word has to say about these guys. The three, then three of the 30 chief men went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adullam, while the troop of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. So these guys, at the risk of their life, because they're so devoted to the purposes of God and devoted to God's King David, they break through and they go to Jerusalem to get a drink of water for David. Would you say that's devoted? That's devotion. They were totally committed. They they set aside their own safety for the purposes of God. And when we look at this passage this morning and this word devoted or devoteeing in Acts chapter 2, we need to understand that the type of devotion that the mighty men of David showed is the type of devotion that's spoken of here in this passage. when you think about that word devoted, think about those mighty men. They were all in, they were like the pig at breakfast, they gave everything. They weren't just involved, they were devoted. I love what one of my friends says that often what we call commitment, God calls attendance. We're talking about devotion, totally in. Or are you devoted like these believers in Acts chapter 2? Are you totally committed and willing to persevere regardless of the circumstances? God calls his church to be devoted. And in fact, the only kind of true church presented in the New Testament is a devoted church. And my prayer is that God, by his grace, would use this local church in such a powerful way that it would be referred to no longer as Lakeside Bible Church, but the Devoted Church. You may have to change your marquee. Blake will have to come up with a new logo, the Devoted Church. Wouldn't that be great? That's what you would be known for. And that's my prayer is that we'll, what will continue to happen. I, I know this church well enough that there's a lot of devotion going on. Right, but we want to continue to grow in that, don't we, in devotion. And the way that's going to happen is each of us individually, each of you individually, that you're going to trust God that by his grace and the power of the cross in your life individually that he will cause you to be more devoted. And then corporately as a body that you will trust God by the power of his grace, the power of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit in you to to make you more devoted so that he might be glorified. Well, look now with me at this text, and we're going to see four truths about devotion that characterize the devoted church. Four truths about devotion that characterize the devoted church. So that, this is important that we have a purpose for this, right? So that, by the power of Christ in us, we too might be the devoted church he's called us to be. The first truth about devotion that characterizes the devoted church is the foundation of devotion, before we examine the things that we are to be devoted to, we must first answer this question. Who is devoted and why? Who is devoted and why? Uh, please look with me there at the very uh, first phrase there in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves. Uh, they. Who is the they that's spoken of here? To whom is this referring? It's referring to those people who responded to Peter's message earlier In Acts 2, and they responded by repenting and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's who he's talking about. People who came from all over, all over the known world at the time. Jewish people who came for Pentecost to celebrate the Feast of Weeks 50 days after Pentecost. They were there from all over, different languages, different cultures even in some ways, but they were all Jewish people. And which makes it even more striking that they were devoted to one another. They didn't let petty differences of culture and financial background and language get in their way. They were committed, they were devoted. That's amazing. But these are the people he's addressing here. Well, why were they devoted? Well, here's why because the foundation of their devotion was based on the fact they were all born again, they were all justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were all new creations. They were all made right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they were devoted. That was the foundation of their devotion. This was a church consisting of those who possessed Jesus Christ, not merely professed Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. This was a church consisting of those who possessed Jesus Christ, not merely those who professed Jesus Christ. That was the foundation of the church. And you may be thinking, well, this is a given. That the reason that they were devoted is because that they were born again. Well, I would like to say that's a given. But in our world today, it's not a, a given. And I know as great as this church is, that there's people that come every Sunday who merely profess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they don't possess him. I know that. It's in my church, too. Every Sunday, there's people who come. I don't know exactly who it is, I don't know who it is here, but there's people here who come every single Sunday who merely profess the Lord Jesus Christ and don't possess. You know how I know that? Because I was one of them. For years I professed Jesus. I could tell you the gospel was as good as anybody, but I didn't possess him. And he didn't possess me. I was not born again. I wasn't part of the church. You know, Jonathan Edwards in 1748 got kicked out of this church over this very issue about having believers that were members of the church. In fact, you can't have a church without people who are born again, can you? But it's not a given. And I know the truth is preached from this pulpit every Sunday morning. I know in all the classes, in all the grow groups, the truth is preached. The gospel is preached, but there's still people who are still merely professors. So we want to get this. I want to get this up front right now. I'm not waiting until the end of the service. Right now, if, does that describe you that you're merely a professor of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know all the truth. You can give me the gospel as clear as anyone, but you don't possess him. You've never, ever repented of your sin and the deceitfulness of sin and turned and trust and cling to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and make you right with God. You've never, ever done that. My prayer is that would happen this morning. Because in reality, if that's not right, if you don't possess the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't possess you and you merely profess, then nothing I'm going to say means anything to you the rest of the service. Because you're not part of the church. You're not part of the devoted church. You're probably thinking, where did Ken get this guy? And This is serious. We can't move on without this because it's the foundation. And my prayer is that God would move in your heart today and change you. If you've been in this church for the existence of the church, it doesn't mean you're saved. And you know that. So my prayer is you possess him before we walk out of here this morning and be a part of the exciting and exhilarating devoted church. Well, let's now move on to the second truth about devotion that characterizes the devoted church, the focus of devotion. We're going to see four different focuses of the church. It's the things to, to which they're devoted to. Notice first there in verse 42, they were continuing to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here we see their first point of focus, the focus of teaching. It wasn't just any kind of teaching. This was the apostles' teaching. Well, what's so important about the apostles' teaching. Why is it different than just regular teaching? Well, you're going through the Gospel of John, right? Ken's teaching the Gospel. Yeah, one person that shook their head. Great. All right, you're going through the Gospel of John, just in case you didn't know that. All right, you're walking through the Gospel of John. I just finished the Gospel of John in the second week of November. Great time in the Gospel of John. And Ken's just re-preaching my sermons. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but I don't know exactly where you are, but there's this point you come to in verses chapters 13 through 17. It's called the upper room discourse, Actually, halfway through that, they leave the upper room, and they're on the way to the Mount of Olives. But it's still all called the upper room discourse. And in that upper room discourse, there's a, after Judas has already gone out, there's 11 of them left, Eleven, these 11 disciples. And Jesus says this in John 14, 26 to these men who would be the apostles. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He specifically he would say, I will teach you. The you is the eleven. It's the apostles. Then he added Matthias and Paul and James later. And those are the apostles that he promised that he would teach all things. Now there's a secondary application to us, but the first is to those guys. He would deliver his word through these guys. That's the promise. You see, the, the, the reason that it's the apostles' teaching is so important is the apostles' teaching was the authoritative word from Jesus. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit so that we may know God. That's why it's so important, the apostles' teaching. It was the only source for truth for believers then and for believers today. The apostles were, de- these, this church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. There's another guy in the history of the church that was devoted, shows devotion to the apostles' teaching. His was a guy named William Tyndale. You familiar with William Tyndale? William Tyndale. He gave us the first English Bible that was, that, that was uh, translated from the, from the Hebrew and Greek. The first one. And he, in 1536, was burned to the state by the King of, England, by, King of England, ordered by the Catholic Church, because he wanted to get an English Bible into the hands of people who spoke English. And in fact, over 83% of the King James Bible came from Tyndale's Bible. I just throw that out there for anybody who might struggle with the King James is re-inspired. Well, I guess the New Tyndale was even more re-inspired. Uh, but that's amazing that, we had, that, that, that this guy was so committed. He was so devoted to the apostles' teaching. He was willing to give his life to get it out in the hands of people. Why? Because he knew that, that the Lord Jesus Christ prayed for people that God would sanctify them in his truth. His word is truth. That's what he believed. That he was devoted. Each person here needs to ask two questions. Am I devoted to the apostles' teaching? Am I all in when it comes to the apostles' teaching? And secondly, what can I do by the grace of God to be devoted like the believers in Acts 2 and men like William Tyndale? And I can promise you one thing. You will never be too devoted to the apostles' teaching. can't happen. Because that's the the thing that God uses to change us. Well, not only do these believers show their devotion in the focus of teaching, but they also show their devotion in the focus of fellowship. Look then again at verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to fellowship. Now, this is a word, this is one of like the four Greek words that everybody knows, right? Koinonia. It's the word for fellowship. Uh, it's a sharing in something as a partnership. We actually get the word coin from koinonia is where we get our word coin. It refers primarily to a participation in something rather than association in something or with others, it's participation. This is the pig; he's participating. He's not merely associating; he's completely devoted. The, the, this idea, this fellowship, there's, there's there's participation with people, and, and it has to do with sharing of your life with others, not just talking to other Christians about the weather or sports or your family, but uh, or, uh, or anything else that you might enjoy. Now, you can do it in such a way that it does provide fellowship. You can do this. The Winter Olympics are coming up, right? And they got the ski jumpers. You see the ski jumpers? They come off that ramp and boom, and they're laying down. I mean, they're just like, like laying flat down in the air. It's amazing. They just go on and going. I don't know how many meters they go. It's just incredible. And you can say, man, isn't it amazing how God causes aerodynamics to happen? What an amazing God we have. Oh, you can talk about the births of babies. Here, here Blake just had a little girl, and Billy just had these twins. Isn't God amazing? He can develop these children from conception and just grow them in these beautiful little babies. Amazing. Yeah, so it's okay to talk about those things, but how do we do it? Do we do it to promote fellowship and the glory of God? So fellowship is way more than just talking about general things. It's it's talking about the glory of God and encouraging each other. An example of true biblical fellowship is actually given to us in our passage. Look at verses 44 and 45. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling the property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Let me say this first of all. This is not communism. Nobody forced them to do this. They willingly did this for each other. This is a true biblical fellowship. And the word common in that passage, all things in common, comes from the same root word as koinonia, a fellowship. Uh, these believers were devoted to the spiritual and physical well-being of each other. And notice what they did in verse 45. They began selling their property and possessions and, and sharing with all as anyone might have need. They saw a need and they did whatever it took to meet it. Now, I, I know here at Lakeside Bible Church that's happened. And it probably happens often, probably things you never know. Man, I'm thankful for that. And I know many of you are probably thankful for that as well because you've been the recipient of someone doing this for you. And, and these words, fellowship in common, have the idea of being extremely generous. Not, not, given, the, 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 not given, well, okay, after I, I, I take care of myself and, and, I, and I do all these other things, then maybe I can help out. They gave their best. I share with this as the first service. Even as a, as a teenager, this used to bother me. We would do food drives. And we go get canned goods and those kind of things. And people would give, but they would go back to the back part of their shelf to get the asparagus nobody wanted. Why do you think that, Yeah, because they're poor, we think we got to give them all the bad stuff. Why don't we give them the good stuff? Give them the best stuff. Be generous. That's what, that's what happened here. They didn't give the broken toy. Well, let's send that to Uganda. They got the new one, the Fisher Price, the Tonka truck that wouldn't have a wheel pull off of it. And they gave their best. There was generosity here. They didn't have closed fists. They had open hands. It was a mark of the devoted church. These people were devoted to one another. And Paul expresses this the same thought in his letter to the Church of Rome. In Romans 12, 10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. There's another passage in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but humility mind. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This was the heart of fellowship. This was the heart of being devoted to one another in honor. And and this love is what undergirded it all. How are we, how are you being devoted to fellowship? Are you giving preference to others in honor? That's a mark of the devoted church. Well, not only do we see that the, there was a focus of teaching and fellowship, there was also the focus of breaking of bread. See there again in verse 42, they were continuing to devote themselves to the breaking of bread. Well, what was the breaking of bread? I know immediately most of us will go to, we're talking about communion, we're talking about the Lord's Supper, and that was definitely included in this breaking of bread. Uh, but it was, there was more than that. Look at verse 46 there in, in, in Acts 2. It says, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now notice the middle part of that verse, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together. The breaking of bread here includes taking their meals together. It includes the common meal. And in fact, in First Corinthians 11, the common meal was, was followed by the Lord's Supper. Now, they weren't doing it right. There were some problems there at first in church of Corinth. But the problem was this was happening. And it says here they were doing it day by day. It was happening all the time. They were sharing their meals together. And, and, and the fact that they were eating together would strengthen their cornonia, it would strengthen their fellowship. In order to truly know the needs of others, you have to set some place where you can get to know the needs of others. And what better place to do it around a table? Randy and I went to Phil's yesterday for lunch. Great burger. Great burger. Bacon. Cheese, I'd recommend it to highly. all right? Go down here and turn left, right, off the main road. I know where it's at now. But, man, there was something else that happened there that was much more powerful than that cheeseburger. And that was a fellowship that we enjoyed. That was the coin and the breaking of bread that we were able to share together and share our lives and talk about our families. It was wonderful. Way better than the cheeseburger. We could go anywhere, Randy. It wouldn't matter because... This, this breaking of bread was, was, was a wonderful thing, and it's what the, what the devoted church does. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Let me ask you a question. Are you devoted to the breaking of bread? Not just the breaking of bread and the Lord's Supper. Are, are you having each other in your homes to break bread together? Now, I'm not an architect, but I do notice this. There's a contrast in the way that houses are built now than the way they used to be. Now we have these narrow entryways, right, into our houses. You you've got a sidewalk and it comes up and you got this wall comes here and this comes out and, boom, and there's the door and we're right there, right? It's, a lot of houses are built today. And, and, and we've got this moat around our castle because that's our private place, right? We don't even have to come into our intimate place. That's where we go rest. No, we don't anybody coming in. Well, see, I grew up in a family. My grandparents had a front porch. It was amazing. They were one rocking chair short of a Cracker Barrel. All right? It was amazing. And, and, and we just sat out there, and we fellowshiped. We loved each other. We went in my grandparents' t- kitchen and just got around the table. We ate together. And we shared our lives together. That's the picture of the church and breaking a bread together. So are you doing that? Are you having each other in your homes to get to know each other? Think about how much I think it says more now when you have somebody in your home than it did 20 years ago. Because we're so protective of our intimate space, aren't we? Let's all be honest. We are. I go there to rest. I can't t- no more of this. But how much more when you say, hey, we don't come for dinner? They know they've been something. You're inviting them into, their intimate spa- into your intimate space. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. It was, a, it was a characteristic of the devoted church. They opened their lives up to each other. When only the devoted was there this focus of teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread, there was also the focus of prayer. Once again, look at verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Now, in the Greek, there's a definite article before that, the prayer, and the prayer is actually in plural, so the prayers. Well, so it literally means they were continually devoting themselves to the prayers. Well, what's this speaking of? Remember, these are Jewish believers who had just become, uh, very soon before this, they become Christians. And they used to, as a Jew, pray certain times a day, pray through certain psalms, the prayers. There are certain prayers they we pray, and they just continued to meet together. What's this talking about? Yes, individual prayer is important. This us talk about corporate prayer. They came together. They were devoted to coming together and praying together. So the question is, are you devoted to coming together and praying with brothers and sisters in Christ? Together. I'm all for private prayer. Scripture teaches it, but also teaches corporate prayer. Are you involved in a grove group where you can pray together? Or, or, or a man-to-man group, or the women's Bible study, or some kind of small group where you get together and you pray together. And I just found out about this after the first service. How about the concert of prayer that happens once a month here? Are you devoted to that, coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ? And by my understanding, I didn't come up with this, my understanding is that's the least attended thing in all the church. And you know what's sad? When we have corporate prayer, same as ours, same at our church. saddens me. But to be the devoted church, that's part of devoted. And here, just to honestly be honest, individually and corporately, when we don't pray and we don't believe in coming together and praying, praying in, private, praying in public together, here's what we're saying. God, we really don't need you. You know, we don't need that extra 144000 that only you can provide to finish out that building. Well, we really, could, we really don't need you to take care of the rest of these things, right? Because we got it handled. Prayerlessness shows a lack of faith in God. It shows a self-sufficiency. So let me encourage you. Be devoted to the corporate prayers. Be devoted to the prayers because it marks the devoted church. And watch what God does. Amazing. And he's think, man, he's kind of getting on us. Well, I can get on our own people too and me too. We need to be devoted to the corporate prayers and watch what God does. So there's this focus of teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And that marked the devoted church. Now we discovered the fact and the focus of the devoted church. Let's now look at the third truth about that characterizes the devoted church: the frequency of devotion. Look again at verse forty-two and notice the word "devoting" or "devoted," depending on your translation. Uh, we already discovered the meaning of this word: it's to adhere firmly, to persevere, remain faithful, be like David's mighty men till your hand clings to the sword. That's the kind of the word, what devoted means. But the thing we need to notice here: this word it, 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 it comes is talking about. What I want you to notice here is the frequency of devotion. This word, this verb, is in the present tense. So what's that mean? Now, this is the way I teach our people, and I did this in the first service. I'm going to do it again, and it's going to annoy you, I promise, but you won't forget it. Our people don't. I don't forget it. It's how, the way I learned it. In, in, in the Greek, there's way more than just past and present, but, so I'll just give you a few of them. One is is their past tense. All right, it's done. There's also the perfect tense, which is past action Completed action with a resulting state of being. It continues on. Perfect. All right? Then there's the present tense. So we got past, we got perfect, and we got present. And you know what? I can keep going on because that means the present tense. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And even the word here, they were continually devoting themselves, re-emphasized the fact that this was not an anomaly. Well, they devoted themselves to these things every once in a while. It characterized their life. It marked their life. That was the devoted church. They were continually doing this. Now, some people would say, well, that was the first century. They're not nearly as busy as... We are. I mean, we got our cell phone, we got our iPhones, and we got our iPads and mini. And maybe if you're not a Mac person, the tablets or whatever it is, and they follow us around. And we're so busy. We got all our kids got all these activities and all this. They, they, don't, they don't. have any idea how distracted we are today. And here's what I would say to you: You have no idea what you're talking about. These people work longer and harder hours than any of us could possibly imagine. And and, and they just had this little problem too, like fear for their life because they were a Christian. So to say, oh, they couldn't relate to us. We can't be devoted like that. That's garbage. That's baloney. We can, and it, it marks the devoted church. I love what that, that that what Warren Wiersbe says about this. He says the Christians you meet in the Book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for services as usual. They met daily, cared daily, won souls daily, searched the Scriptures daily, increased in the number daily. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a once-a-week routine. Why? Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them, and his resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. Is the risen Christ a living reality to us? And is his resurrection power at work in our lives through the Spirit? If this is the case, then we will look like the believers in Acts 2, who were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. This will be the rule instead of the exception of the devoted church. Now, we have a tendency in in our lives often to compartmentalize our lives. So, we got my relationship with Jesus Christ. We got my family. We got work. We got sports. We got whatever hobbies, whatever it is. It's all over here. And and, and Jesus is just one of those things. But see, the scripture doesn't teach that. The The scripture teaches that he's Lord over all, he's Lord over all those things. And we don't just bring him in, he is in. Paul said Christ is our life, and that was the idea here. Christ should reign and rule over all aspects of our life. The devoted church is not a church made up of people who are just devoted one day a week or three days a week. The devoted church is made up of people who are devoted daily. That's the picture here. The frequency of devotion is its every moment of every day relying on the Holy Spirit to empower them to be devoted Well, we've seen the fact, the focus, and the frequency of devotion. Let's look at the fourth truth about devotion that characterizes the devoted church, the fruit of devotion. Look at verse 43 with me. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Notice the first phrase, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. When God's people are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer, the fruit or result of devotion is that there's a sense of awe. A sense of awe. In other words, it makes you want to worship our great God. We also see this worship in, in verses 46 through 47. Look what it says. With gladness and sincerity of heart praising God. That was a fruit of their devotion. And as we learn more and more to be a devoted church, we too will experience the fruit of a greater desire to worship God, to be in awe of who he is. And when I mean worship, I'm not just talking about when Blake and the music team gets up here and leads it in singing. That's part of worship. But we want to worship and be in sense of his awe all the time when we're devoted. You know, I know there's people here this morning that are hurting and need comfort. I can't think of a better way for you to have your hurts healed and be comforted than be devoted to the church. Because you'll feel a sense of awe, and you'll want to worship him. When we get our fo- focus off of us, and we get it on him, it's amazing what God does, isn't it? Well, not only is there this fruit of worship, there's also the fruit of witness. And this is evident throughout this passage. The fact that the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and breaking bread and, pra- and prayer, it led to changed lives by God's grace. Not only were their lives changed, but their lives were so changed. Look what happened in verse 47. And having favor with all the people... And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. As these devoted believers got out of their com- out into the community and the Lord has so changed their lives, it impacted everybody around them. Other people started to notice, oh my goodness, what happened? What happened to that family? What happened to that guy? What happened to that girl? Their life was changed. And, and they, they were doing what Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there's a fruit of worship and there's, and there's a fruit of witness we see here. So how about the people of Lakeside Bible Church? Will you be the devoted church and realize the fruit of worship and witness by being devoted, continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer? It's critical as we think about applying this to our life, these characteristics of a devoted church, to be reminded that these characteristics of the devoted church are true because believers are first devoted to Christ. It's the natural outflow of our devotion to Christ. Can Lakeside Bible Church be the church that God has called it to be, which is the devoted church? Let me answer that question as simply as I can. Yes, it can be. And let me say this too. I also know enough about this church that there are more than signs. There's a lot of devotion that happens right here with the people of Grace Bible Church. And I know it thrills your pastor and your pastors and your elders. I know that thrills. I I hear about it. And there's signs all over the place. But are we content with just signs? Are we content just right where we are? Or are we going to move so forward and move so and be so devoted that this whole community around here begins to look and see and say, that's the devoted church. Those people really do love God. They really do love Jesus, and you can see it all through their lives. Well, in order for that to happen, we must cry out to God and rely on his grace. We must rely on the continuing power of the resurrected Christ in order to be the devoted church and help us be devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Well, just by some practical applications here, let me mention a few ways that you can participate in being the devoted church right here at Lakeside. There's many more. First of all, be devoted to Sunday mornings at Lakeside Bible Church. Be devoted. I mean, when it rains, be devoted. When there's an ice storm, if you're still holding services, be devoted. Randy's offered to come and get you in his truck. All right? Blake will too. I'm sure they would. Be devoted. There's a lot of things that happen here. There's the equipping hour. There's the corporate worship when you come together. A lot of great things going on that you can help you be a part of, of being devoted to the Apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. How about grow groups? Great opportunity to be devoted to these things. Men and women, student children's ministry. Great opportunity to be devoted to these things that the devoted church is devoted to. Counseling ministry, missions. Go to Honduras. The concert of prayer that happens every month. Be devoted. Continually devoted themselves to the prayers. So my prayer is for Lakeside Bible Church, I pray for your pastor and this church every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning when I'm kind of wrapping things up and reviewing, this is one of the churches and pastors that I pray for, and I will be praying for your church that God, by his grace, will cause you to grow in being the devoted church, that you will be continuing to devote themselves to, de- devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, to the breaking bread and to prayer. That's my prayer. And you can do it by his power, and by his grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for not only you calling us uh, this unbelievable standard. We look at this and we think, wow, how could that happen? Completely. Lord, it can happen because the same Christ that lived in those people lives in your people today. So, Lord, we pray that you would empower all of us, me and the people here at Lakeside Bible Church, Lord, to be the devoted church so that you might gain glory and so that the purpose of the church might be fulfilled in making disciples of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Lord, thank you that we don't go this alone but you do promise to empower us by your grace to get it done. Lord, thank you so much for your son, the devoted one. It's his name we pray,
0: amen.